0: Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're having a good week. When this comes out, I will be heading back from Los Angeles back to beautiful San Diego and hopefully home for some time. Other than that, I hope you're getting your Halloween costume ready. I have no idea what I'm being. We'll see. Maybe I'll be an avocado for the fourth year in a row. In more exciting news, though, let's talk about today's guest. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this. Today I am chatting with Niraj Naik, who is a certified pharmacist turned holistic health and breathwork expert. He is known as the renegade pharmacist. He has an incredible story. He cured himself from ulcerative colitis and now has dedicated his life to helping others restore their health and just improve their overall quality of life with different holistic practices and lifestyle changes. He is the founder of Soma Breath, which is the global breathwork movement taking the world by storm. He's a Mind Valley and Hay House author, the creator of the world's most viral infographic, a serial entrepreneur, and one of the world's most sought after spiritual ceremony facilitators. So obviously in this episode we will talk about all things breath work. I think you will really, really enjoy the information around that as well as his journey to healing himself from ulcerative colitis. And we we'll talk a bit about diet, nutrition, also yoga and Ayurvedic practices, just all things healing, mind, body, spirit. So you can find more from him on Instagram at the Renegade Pharmacist. There are underscores in between the renegade and pharmacist. And also, more from Soma at somabreath.com, and all information will be in the show notes. So, if you are ready to dive into all things holistic healing and breath work, here is Niraj Naik.
1: My name's Niraj, and uh, also known as the renegade pharmacist because I used to be a pharmacist years ago, but I went into this I hate to say the word alternative, but I went into a natural holistic uh kind of techniques for healing self because i managed to heal myself without the drugs um even though i was told there was no cure for what i had um but i also have created a school of uh pranayama uh which is this ancient form of breathing practices and energy moving practices from india um which is where i'm from originally my my family ancestral roots are from there and um And in the last year alone, we've had over 200 instructors, big community movement around the world. And uh, it's really grown into an amazing thing. So that's what I'm like sharing with the world is these ancient practices with a lot of science to back them up.
0: Yeah. And I really love everything you share and how you incorporate so many different modalities of healing, it seems. Mm. Um, Especially, I think the breath work is super interesting, which we will get into. But I want to dive more into your your story. Um, So, I know you had your own health journey. Can you tell me a little bit about when that started?
1: Yeah. So, actually, I was a pharmacist um, for around six years before i started to really get sick but it was working in the community pharmacy where i really saw a big insight into like how crazy the healthcare system is and how um it's not really helping anyone with their health and i mean it it helps in some cases but with chronic health conditions like what me and you have suffered from in the past with especially Gut related digestive issues is really hopeless. So, anyway, I saw people just going around with sh- uh, going home with shopping bags full of drugs, um, not seeming to get better. And I just got more and more disillusioned with my career. I tried a few different ways to get out of my job, um, which had landed me in more debt and didn't really work out. And I got myself into that rat race as a lot of people get into, you know, having an expensive car. Uh, lots of bills and and basically in a job that just is no passion so I ended up um, actually trying to figure out uh, how to make my job more fun and I started to get I mean I was really depressed and I got dragged to a few um, seminars one of them was uh, this uh, Tony Robbins event a famous one and unleashed the power within or whatever upw mm. uh which was years ago and um i literally went there extremely skeptical and i thought it was the least cool thing uh for anyone to go to but i went anyway because i didn't have much choice my friend bought a ticket so i went and it was the first time i ever heard anyone talk about like diet nutrition even breathing and water and how important it is for your health and in pharmacy school we never got taught even i don't even i think doctors get weak we we don't even get a day on actual lifestyle things so anyway i was like right i can use this to if you know if this works i can prove this in my pharmacy because in the pharmacy every day i've got people coming in who are sick so if this stuff really works it should be able to make them better so i started to, uh Give this knowledge out in the form of shopping lists because you don't get much time with the patient and those who took my advice boom they got so much better uh within weeks um i had like testimonials i had doctors phoning me up wondering what i'm doing like how am i doing this and um anyway they got me fired from the first job <laughs> and the second job actually i got promoted to the head office of um one of the biggest supermarket chains in the uk and I was carrying out this big project, this healthy shopping list project that I'd, I'd come up with this concept um, which i mean i don't know why they don't do this, but they they don't they don't want a, a health professional to give out dietary advice that's really good for them it seems <laughs> yeah. in the mainstream so anyway so that that whole project got shelved because it was deemed too renegade at the time, and I ended up um even more disillusioned than when I started you know the whole thing so I actually at that point I think it was a combination of things it was like a fear of having to go back to my old pharmacy job which I absolutely hated uh feeling like a failure because I didn't get this project to work um just loss of hope for humanity and my connection with the spirit and god I just totally lost faith in humanity basically and boom i got hit with a chronic illness which is called ulcerative colitis and for a year i was like housebound lost so much weight and the doctors basically said like at the end you know like you can either be a guinea pig for a drug that hasn't been tested before or you can have your colon removed like there were the two options left Now, obviously, I didn't want to go down any of those uh, paths. And luckily, somebody came to the rescue, a close friend of our family now, Swami Ambikananda. She said to me, actually, you've got a gift. And they say that that God stands for gift of desperation. And actually, I was so desperate. And literally, she came to the rescue at the perfect time. And uh, she said to me that if you can cure yourself from this and... And she she said if you learn these fundamentals of Ayurveda, pranayama, yoga, I mean, I she she said you know can't guarantee you it will help, but you, know, you can give it a go. Um, you'd be an amazing role model to other people. She was very prophetic because that's exactly what happened. And um, within a few months, I cured myself. I reversed this this illness. It was I shocked all the doctors? Uh, they all thought I was nuts and. um that point, I was like, I've made a pact that I'm going to do whatever I can to uh, stop people suffering as much as I've done from all of these diseases, which I believe can be changed pretty quickly through the right lifestyle and um, uh, well, it's primarily lifestyle changes. And uh, that's been my mission since. So, yeah, it's been an amazing uh, journey, and it's great to, it's an honor to be on a. Podcasts like yours to share the the knowledge
0: yeah, no well, thank you i I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that feeling of being very desperate in their health journey and being told they have basically two options that sound horrible. I know I definitely can um i'm I want to back up though I'm curious what was on the shopping list that you that you gave um, people
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one of the most common things that i noticed was that people who were overweight like had obesity issues um had a tendency to get diabetes and high blood pressure problems you could see people coming in for um uh things like statins who a year later would be on more medications and then you'll see people who came in for even like obesity pills that we had there was a point where obesity pills were the big thing like everyone was on zeneca and all these lipid kind of controlling pills um and you'd see you know the the problems that would happen as a result of trying to control uh obesity and diabetes and things through, through drugs the side effects were just huge so i basically found that the easiest thing was to get people who uh, had those problems. So diabetes is a very big risk factor for other chronic diseases. Obesity is as well, okay? So for those two, it was the easiest one. They were the easiest ones for me to, to work with. And also actually people who came in for blood pressure problems who were on, like, who needed statins. So I was really good at getting people off statins and controlling their cholesterol levels normally. Now, the diet, actually, believe it or not, for all of those types, is pretty much the same, okay? And it's, you would call it like, I mean, this was like, you, now it's like called the paleo diet and things like that, which is a very low-carb diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to use this mantra, lean green marine. So, lean meats, green vegetables, and um, seafood, But very low-carb, low-starchy foods, low-sugar, low-glycemic index-creating foods. Um, And I had amazing results with that. I mean, since that point, I've uh, got more awareness of diet and and found that, you know, there's no one-size-fits-all for everyone. And there's different ways to to treat different conditions uh, based on body type, personality types, basically the Ayurvedic system. Um, but my simple thing was just to, so there was also a big correlation, actually, between fizzy drinks and disease, okay, that I saw. So the first thing I did on the shopping list was to, I would do it in stages. Some people were really open, they'll do it, they'll just be open to changing their diet straight away. Most people, it was too overwhelming to change their they're junk food, factory-based. I mean, you'd be surprised how many people just live on microwave meals. It was unbelievable. Yeah. It was like, and fizzy drinks. And they were the ones on all the drugs. right? So I, I did a very simple thing. I was like, first, let's just get you to change your fizzy drinks for um, other drinks like that are not full of sugar. And I'd give them the, the explanation behind sugar and how it triggers all these things. And most people were completely unaware of uh, how diabetes is caused by too much sugar and all that stuff. It was incredible how ignorant people were and the doctors weren't really fully explaining them. So that was the first thing. The next step after that was just getting people to, to make their own food. But rather than b- buying microwave meals... I say, try and make your own food. And here's like some videos on YouTube on how to cook your own meals. I mean, you'd be blown away how few people knew how to cook their own food. And actually, this was cool because people actually started to enjoy um, making their own food and eating their own food and, and things like that. So they were the easiest things. And actually, just from doing that, there was a huge shift in people's health. Just by get, I I call it the no factory diet. So just don't avoid everything that's in a made in a factory and replace it for things you can make yourself out of whole foods like real foods. That was a first step. Then in some cases, like people with like pretty high diabetes um, uh, diabetic problems um, and high obesity problems, I would like actually put them on um, a much more like uh, you'd call it like. Yeah, it would call it a paleo diet now, but I would even go a bit more extreme to the like Atkins kind of diet, which is also known as the carnivore diet nowadays. But I wouldn't I would I wouldn't go totally extreme only if they were they were open to eating um meats and lean meats and things like that. Like Obviously, if they were vegetarian, you'd have to be slightly uh, more kind of tactful, but I had amazing results with getting people off diabetic medications by stripping out the carbs and getting people, yeah, and getting people onto the, um, even like green juices, like with spinach, not kale so much, but spinach, celery, um, and stuff like that. Lemon juice, fresh lemon juice was an amazing cleanser for the system. So, yeah.
0: So is that the same method you used in in healing your ulcerative colitis?
1: No, <laughs> not completely. Okay, so, so what did you do? Yeah, so I actually, so I, I didn't have, I don't, I'm not obese, and I don't have diabetes, right? Mm-hmm. So I was really confused, actually, because I didn't see so many people, With ulcer colitis, to be honest, in the pharmacies, like I think they were, they didn't, they didn't even come to the pharmacy. You know, ulcer colitis is so um, debilitating um, that a lot of people don't even leave their house. Like, you know, they're too embarrassed to even leave their home. So I didn't see that many people with colitis. Um, But so when I got it, I was really confused, and it was at a time where I had switched to very more even i would say it was like 70 percent vegan diet i was having a lot of fruits and i was having a lot of um vegetables and i was i just stopped eating meat and all that stuff because i thought that this was what was healthy this was a time when i thought i was doing the right thing and Literally, what I also noticed actually was um, the more of the grains I ate, um, especially wheat, breads, things like that. I would get like bloating afterwards, um, and I. But I started to eat more of that because I'd become more um, more vegetarian. I switched to being vegetarian, and when you do that, in, especially in places like England, when you become vegetarian, um, you tend to eat a lot more like pastries and breads and things like that because it's just what you find um commonly in the food so that may have been a trigger in itself because when i actually got sick what happened was then i became i then i got totally confused because anything i ate would just go straight through me straight through me um and i and i got really confused by the internet i was looking up um you know what 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 the even uh conventional dietitians and nutritionists were recommending and there was this huge movement around veganism at this point as well so I actually even went on a vegan diet uh and a fruitarian diet and actually that made it so bad like that was the worst when i went vegan and fruitarian like the symptoms went dramatically worse and actually people used to say to me the vegans used to say to me oh no that's a sign you're getting better like you have to get worse before you get better, you know, all of that nonsense, all of that nonsense, I had all of that, so anyway, then then I actually um, went really deep into Ayurveda, and Ayurveda actually, this is when I really went deep into Ayurveda, because Ayurveda states that there's no one-size-fits-all, and it puts people into different um, uh, categories based on their phenotypes, so how they look, how they, they appear, their bones, you know, their bone structure, their eyes, how big their eyes are, how small their eyes are, their um, the skin and the the nails, even a lot of details on how you appear and how you look, and even how you think and your personality type, all those stuff. And what that does, it gives you this overall kind of um, energy type for your mind and your body. All right, through that you can actually prescribe a lifestyle plan based on your energy type, which means that, um, not because everyone's unique based on their different energy types that you can start to figure out what is the right lifestyle for you. Okay. And it, and it also says that you have to, you know, you have to experiment a little bit. There's no hundred percent. answer you have to know thyself. So you've got to try things out. And, um, so I figured out actually through that, through my energy type, which is Vata Pitta, um, and this, the point where I was with my health it even says that people who are Vata Pitta under chronic stress conditions, um, especially where fear is a big factor, are more prone to ulcers of the colon, which is what I had, ulcers of gliose. So... That was like I couldn't believe it. I was reading it and I'm like, oh my god, this is like a self-fulfilling prophecy or something. But this is it was mind-blowing, how precise and how accurate it was. And I noticed, why do people get obesity? Why don't I get obesity? Why do people get diabetes? And it was all in there. It was all according to the energy types, the bone types, the body types, and all of these things. So it made I started to like get a much clearer picture of diet, nutrition, and lifestyle. Um, based on these, these different, like, qualities of a person. So actually, in there it says that, although Ayurveda is, it tries to make you um, go towards a plant-based diet more, um, uh, if you, I mean, not everyone can, can handle that. It does say that in certain cases, like, meats are very, very beneficial. OK, but it never, ever does it talk about being a vegan ever. <laughs> all right. And actually, Indian uh, Brahmins and all these holy people from India, they aren't vegans. They are they are vegetarians. Right? They've lived with cows. They, they worship cows. The cows provide an amazing source of food and mm-hmm. fuel and all these different things. And they provide dairy. They provide the most staple um, Food in in Ayurveda is ghee. Ghee is the clarified butter from from dairy. So there's two parts of the milk, um, and you can actually make this pure whole fat, which is clarified butter, which is so good for you, and that's the ghee, all right? So anyway, what I'm saying is that through that, I discovered that actually to cure ulcer you may actually need to get grounded and grounding with warm, nourishing um, foods. And in, in these cases, you may need meat. So then I, start, I started to get freaked out by that because I was trying to be like a, a clean yogi at this point. And I was, um, you know, like freaking out because I'm going to have to eat meat potentially to cure myself. But anyway, I started to then do some more research online, and I noticed uh, actually people who had cured themselves successfully from ulceritis, there was a thing in common where a lot of them went to beef and bone broth and um, using steaks, like like raw, like not like, uh, like medium rare, not cooked, very well cooked, but quite raw meats um, to heal themselves. And, I mean, I actually... Love, I love steak, but I'd stopped eating all of that stuff for a long time because according to the, the yogis and Hinduism, that's a big no-no. But then I started to actually look into the Indian history and I started to see a lot of bullshit there as well. <laughs> actually, the kings, the royal families, would all eat meat and they'd eat a whole like different variety of different meats and things. So I was like, why is it the royal families eat meat Whereas the working class and all the peasants and stuff were told that it's unholy. Um, and they were all eating, like, basically peasant food, which would be rice and, like, you know, a few vegetables. And then I started to realize that actually there's a lot of misinformation that's gone on for many, many years um, that goes all the way from... The upper class down to the working class, and I do. I, I mean, I don't want to go down that that road of conspiracies and stuff, but I do believe that there's a lot of misinformation when it comes to diet, and nutrition, and there seems to be like one rule for them and one rule for for us kind of thing. So, so I was like, right, I'm gonna try this, and so then in Ayurveda they talk about, and you have to go really deep to know to figure this stuff out, and actually sometimes you, you don't want to go into the the modern kind of approaches of yoga and ayurveda to get um the answers you have to go actually to what people are doing in the west as well um scientifically and i discovered through um uh i, can't remember, I think it was dr mccola or something about colostrum mm-hmm. and through a um a western um, uh, supplier of colostrum i discovered that actually well, and colostrum is basically the first milk that, a, um, that we consume, okay? It's the first milk that mother gives to the baby. And it's super rich in immune factors, um, growth factors. And that, that literally gives you the digestive system that allows you to consume normal food, right? Before that, you can only reconsume uh, uh, baby food, right? Breast milk. But colostrum allows you to consume proper food, Okay. And actually, children who aren't breastfed enough are more prone to childhood diseases and allergies. So then what well, I realized through this, this this person who was um, talking about colostrum was that actually the bovine colostrum, cow's colostrum, has the same translation into humans as it does for cows. And, and also, cows give colostrum to the children to, to the calves um, to allow the calf to be able to consume normal food. Until that point, the calf can't consume normal food. And also the cows produce like four times the amount of um, colostrum the calf needs and it's thousand times more potent than human colostrum. So it was almost like the cow was designed um, in a way to, to give us this colostrum. And then I, re- I saw through the research that actually Ayurvedic doctors use colostrum and this is the reason why the cow is actually truly considered holy in India and this was the huge aha moment it was like this is why cows are actually worshipped in India and it's because the colostrum is this magical substance that can heal the, the gut and the gut is the source of most diseases the And when you want to cure a disease, you want to focus on the gut first. And the gut is usually the first source of symptoms of disease. So when you start getting gut problems, that's when you need to start looking at your lifestyle to see what's going on. So this was all of this stuff started happening. I started taking colostrum within, I'm not kidding, within a month, I was back to normal health. I I went on a um, kind of a very, very paleo diet. Um, I, I had a lot of beef during that time and bone broth and I was healed within a month and um, to a point that I could start eating pretty much anything that caused me allergies before like I could eat I could have dairy no problem I could eat even like small amounts of bread again and um, it basically fixed my gut and brought it back into normal health
0: pretty incredible story I hope you guys are enjoying This interview, as much as I am, but I want to take a brief pause to tell you about today's sponsor, Native. You know how important it is for me to use non toxic products on my body. I'm very particular with what I put on my skin, and I love Native because they believe in using personal care products that are better for your body. And using ingredients your body can understand. Native has been my go-to deodorant for quite some time now. And I love that it's filled with ingredients found in nature, like coconut oil for its antimicrobial properties, shea butter for moisturizing, and tapioca starch to absorb wetness. It's formulated without any aluminum, parabens, or talc. And they do absolutely no animal testing. I love that it comes in so many different scents. So there are plenty of options for both men and women. And they also release new limited edition seasonal scents throughout the year. So you can get one of those seasonal options if you are looking for something a little different. Some of their classic deodorant scents are the coconut and vanilla, which I love, the lavender and rose cucumber and mint and eucalyptus and mint, but they also have an unscented formula and a baking soda free formula if you have sensitive underarms. So some people find that with certain non-toxic deodorants, they get a little rash if their armpits are sensitive. So you would just go with the sensitive formula because that is made without baking soda, which is what usually causes that irritation. There is no risk to trying this out. Native offers free returns and exchanges in the U.S. And you can also save $2 per stick when you subscribe. So if you get this subscription, then you don't even have to remember to restock your deodorant. And you can get a Native deodorant delivered to your door every one, two, three, or 4 months. Depending on how often you typically go through deodorant. Nothing is worse than running out of deodorant. Let me tell you. I was using the coconut and vanilla scent before, and then I wanted to try another scent with my with my new deodorant when I got another one in the mail. So I have been using the pink grapefruit and elderflower sensitive formula recently, and I'm obsessed with it. It was one of their recent seasonal scents. I, I love it. It smells so fresh and like the other one, it just works so well. It can be so difficult to find non-toxic deodorant that actually works and especially here in San Diego, it's still been really hot and just, you know, when I go on my daily walks, I'm always sweating and I need something that's going to hold up through the heat and this performs. So I highly, highly recommend it. And I was checking and some of their new scents for the season look amazing. They have a pumpkin spice latte scent, which I totally want to get next. And also sweet almond and honey. That sounds amazing too. And I love that their scents, they smell so good, but they're not overpowering and they don't smell fake like some deodorants do. So all around 10 out of 10. I love this stuff. And I just think deodorant is one of the most important things to switch to safer. And in general, you want a deodorant that performs and works. And that's why I love Native. So if you want to try it out, just go to nativedeodorant.com and use my promo code wellness for 20% off your first purchase. Again, that's nativedeodorant.com dot com and use my promo code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S for 20% off your first purchase. I know a bunch of you have been loving this too. So if you try it out and you are loving it, share it, tag me, tell me what scent you got because I want to keep trying new scents. I love this stuff. All right, now that I've filled you in on my recent deodorant obsession let's hop back into this conversation with Niraj
1: yeah it was amazing and since that point i've helped so many people hundreds and hundreds of people around the world with similar conditions as i've had
0: wow so um did you reduce your vegetable consumption too like i'm wondering if you how you feel about like like the carnivore diet
1: um I think it's really like an extreme diet and I mm-hmm. think it's like a medicinal diet mm-hmm. so I think it's something that can help people who are have got themselves into a bit of a kind of an imbalance due to having way too much gluten and wheat and sugar and mm-hmm. processed stuff and the going the opposite direction um, and having that kind of I mean meat in itself is very nutritious the problem with overconsumption of meats okay is i think that the problem is is not the meat itself it's just the way the meat's farmed and and the quality of the meat but i think that some people based on their genetic histories and their ancestral roots probably that's the right diet for them like a a more majority meat diet less food you don't need a lot like maybe one meal a day which is like a meat-based food uh, diet lots of vegetables as well at the same time um with very low carbs hardly any carbs and then uh, and i know with the carnivore diet i think this is the case of the carnival diet that there is a point where you would eat um uh maybe fruits based on the season i think so i don't know if it's so extreme where you completely strip it out all the time or not but i know in some cases like i think so so if you think about this like um fruits only really grow uh at certain times of the year Mm. and um so there'll be a point where people would uh ancestrally would uh stop eating so much meat and then start enjoying the fruits and maybe there was a time where you would like kind of cycle the fats uh based on the season so you'd have a lot of fats and proteins at certain parts of the year like the winter um and then as it gets warmer you start eating more fruits i think that eating seasonally um and eating according to your kind of ancestral roots is the way to go and actually my ancestral roots is the part of india that i'm from and the kind of because in india we're very good at keeping things in the family right Uh, You know, there's like some people won't even marry outside of their village. And um, so we have like clans in in India so that you can see uh, like where ancestrally I come from, like where our clan comes from. And actually we come from Afghanistan. Originally, we come from the Hindu Kush region, which is like northern Afghanistan. And um, so there people would eat a very different diet from people who were ancestrally from who were just brought up in like the jungles of India so I think there is something to be said for going back to your roots I I don't believe I don't think that I would have eaten a pure carnival diet back then I think I would have been more of a paleo so we would have been like Aryan cattle herders so we probably lived by the cow did everything by the cow I actually think that If you consume colostrum and you have ghee and and a little bit of dairy in your diet, you don't need to have lots of it. I don't think you need meat so much. I think the meats are more there, um, and fish is a bit of of a better choice, I think, than having a lot of heavy red meats. But I think think this kind of um, vegetarian diet, which, where you're using colostrum and things like that, um, may be healthier. And more sustainable um, in the long run than going either vegan or carnivore. I'm not sure about long-term effects of just pure meat based diets mm-hmm. if you go to if you look at Africa like um, if you look at the uh, uh, Maasai warriors they actually lived on a diet of blood meat, and colostrum and they were they didn't they didn't live long long they didn't have massive longevity but they didn't have all the metabolic diseases that we have in the West. So, you know, like if you're going for longevity, you want to look at the blue zones. You want to look mm-hmm. at um, uh, the kind of mediterranean sort of diets. But even they, and if you actually, there's a, a Stephen Guntry's book, uh, The Plant Paradox is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, they would have a low-grain diet. They wouldn't have loads of breads in Spain, a place I actually live half the year in, in Spain. There's a lot of consumption of breads now, but I don't think in the blue zones they would eat so much bread. They'd eat more um, uh, vegetables and fish and olives, a lot of olive oils. They'd have a moderate consumption of alcohol, things like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas in India, everything's gone. And if you look at India, like there's the biggest race of diabetes biggest rates of obesity is insane like and they their diet is very much like based around bread and wheat Mm -hmm. and carbs and rice and potatoes and and things like that and i think the indians have gone over the years they've been educated out of what they used to eat and gone into onto this kind of like weird pseudo spiritual diet which actually is maybe more um uh good for the animals but not so good for the humans
0: yeah um well okay so i'm curious if someone wants to find out good information about how to eat for their dosha like you're kind of saying a lot of the popular information might not be might not be totally accurate or the best advice like where would you recommend someone go to find out um what true like traditional ayurvedic wisdom would would recommend
1: um, I mean, I actually think that you, you're better off actually looking at some of the the people, like the Western doctors who have gone towards Ayurveda. So one of them okay. is this guy, Dr. David Frawley, uh-huh. um, who's written a book called Ayurvedic Healing. I highly recommend that book. Okay. It's a really good source of, it's really well explained um, introduction to Ayurveda. Um, we actually teach people the same stuff in our our courses as well Mm -hmm. through soma through our school but um like if you're really really serious about learning about ayurveda i think his course is really really good Uh, as a it's a really good introduction the problem with um like some of the yogi the ones who are extreme yogis Mm -hmm. is that they're more biased towards a vegan or vegetarian diet which i just don't think is safe for everyone i don't think it's right for everyone
0: why are they so biased towards that
1: because it's considered more holy, right? It's more yeah. spiritual to okay. to not eat, kill animals. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. Okay. Well, I also want to move into some of the lifestyle changes you made, because um, I mean, so you changed your diet. What about what else in terms of your lifestyle did you change to heal? What did you focus on?
1: Okay, so according to Ayurveda, um, like any disease that's chronic is a spiritual disturbance so spiritual spirits is breath okay energy they're all the one one and the same thing and actually when you breathe you, you you influence the energy processes in the in the body so by spiritual disturbance as well if you look at how do we experience reality um energetically we experience it through emotion and emotion is our energy in motion so our emotions, our state of being is what we need to look at okay, first. So when you, when you get a disease, quite often what it is is that you've, you've experienced emotions that are on a low vibration, a negative emotion, for too long, and then they've manifested as an illness. Okay? So, so if you imagine another way of looking at it is that you are a super efficient bio computer um, with a hard disk which is like your physical body and you have an operating system which is this very um, very very powerful mind. however over time it can get filled with programs that are like viruses that makes it malfunction mm-hmm. and you experience those things as emotions and your subconscious mind, which is your this operating system it doesn't talk to you in like voices in your head it talks to you in terms of feelings now I, I felt energetically in the wrong place in my career however I numbed it down by not ignor by ignoring those feelings by going against them by drinking a lot to numb the pain by doing all kinds of stuff on the weekends to numb the pain and just basically numbing the pain. And a lot of people do this. They, they ignore the, the feeling the body tells you when something's not right. And they end up in relationships that are not healthy in careers that are not healthy. And they, and they don't listen to the body and don't do anything to change. And then that manifests as a disease. So the first thing I, I looked at, um, you know, and the, and the diet and nutrition, all those things are extremely important. However, I really believe you become your environment. So for me, the the primary thing was like I, I cannot go back to my career as a pharmacist. That's what was killing me. I had to find something else. And what I I I so everyone's gonna be different, but you need a serious you need a system of self-inquiry to figure out what it is that you really want. What is it that's gonna make you feel comfortable in your environment? For me. I didn't want to be uh, stuck to one location. I wanted to travel. I wanted to, uh, I'm a creative person. I'm a musician, I'm an artist. So I wanted to find a way to be creative um, and find, find a way to do that. And I started to go be curious and to read and I, I started to learn about um, all these ways of creating an income around my passion. And through that, I turned it into a game, a strategy, of getting myself out of this environment into a new environment. And it all worked out in the end. But I think that a lot of people, what they do is they, they settle with what they've got mm-hmm. because they think that there's no way out. But all you've got to do, it's really simple. You've just got to find people who you admire, who you respect, uh, who are living the kind of lives and lifestyles that you would want, all right? And then just to reverse engineer what they did and then go after it, and have faith that the universe will support it. Because otherwise, you're just going to get disease, You're going to get sick. Alright? And I, I really believe that the, this is a question everyone's going to ask themselves. Um, every day they wake, every morning they wake up, and they got to ask themselves, am I waking up today with absolute enthusiasm to do a hard day's work? Um, or am I waking up today because i feel like i have to do this to survive or am i waking up um with enthusiasm enthusiasm to be compassionate to other people or am i just being nice and faking it just to fit in all right because that answers that question if you if you if you're waking up feeling like you have to do something to survive if you're in survival mode if you're if you're around people that you don't really gel with you don't vibe with you're going to eventually get sick that's that's just how reality is unfortunately and you have to trust and this is the, this is where the faith comes in that the universe really wants you to be happy right so when you start to move out of those situations and find a strategy you've got to be rational as well you got to can't do stupid irrational things you've got to find um, a way out that 's rational that 's going to actually give you the result that you want you 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 'll be surprised at how effortlessly life starts to flow you know in in the direction that you want so that 's actually one of the big parts of Ayurvedic healing which is to change your environment and to understand that your inner world also is a reflection of the outer world so that 's the first step is to um, is to work on what it is that you like to do? What's what's making you feel stressed, and to work on that. The second step is, um, and this is where it goes into like methods and techniques, and that is to understand that everything is energy. That you are every single piece of you, everything, every single thought in your mind is an, is a source of energy, is a, is from a source of energy. So if you can influence the energy in your body. So diet and nutrition, obviously, is one way of doing that. Um, You will, by changing your inner world, you can change your outer world. This is actually what pranayama is. Pranayama means energy control. And pranayama was a method that was devised by yogis thousands of years ago who understood that your breath is the direct control of your autonomic nervous system. Okay, and through that control, you can influence the energy in your body. So they created a series of breathing techniques that allowed you to, to influence your immune system, to increase your energy levels, to decrease your energy levels, go to sleep, to wake up, to feel supercharged, to be more creative, to have um, better dreams and all that stuff. And that's what pranayama is. It's like a library, a pharmacy of breathing practices. Now I discovered uh, pranayama at that point and I learned just a few techniques that actually allowed me to con- gain control of my immune system and to reprogram the subconscious mind so that it looked at the world as a um, as a supportive and um, friendly place rather than a hostile and kind of um, threatening place and all of these state changes that happened through learning pranayama, I really believe was the biggest impact into getting me into where I am today. And it's very simple. It's just simple breathing techniques.
0: That's so interesting to me. Breath work is definitely something I haven't gotten into or, like, researched a lot. So I find it really fascinating. So basically what you're saying is that there are different it's like for every outcome you want, there's a different type of breath work to be doing.
1: Yes. There's no one size fits all breathing practice either.
0: Okay. So Hmm. can you talk a bit more about like the science behind that?
1: Yeah. So it's really, really simple. There's a few principles you got to understand. So we all know, um, and I'll repeat again for those who may not be aware when we breathe in, we breathe in oxygen. When we breathe out, we breathe out carbon dioxide. That's the simple formula of um, respiration. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, not everyone knows this. When you breathe in, you actually also raise your heart rate. When you breathe out, you lower your heart rate. So you are already, just by breathing in and out, influence your autonomic nervous system, which is... The part of the, nerve, the nervous system that uh, allows us to run all of the things that we take for granted on autopilot, like your um, respiratory system, your heart rate, your immune system, your digestive system, your temperature, uh, all of the things that are like the wonders of the mind that just run on autopilot that allows our conscious mind to enjoy reality. Otherwise, we'd be really overwhelmed with trying to manage all of the practices. The, all the functions that are going on inside the body. So um, we've been told by doctors that we and scientists and the scientific community that we have no control over the autonomic nervous system consciously. And the only way to control it is through external things, so drugs, through surgery, machines, things like that, okay? Which is not true. So literally... By changing the way you breathe, you can actually lower stress, lower your heart rate, and calm the nervous system down. So by simply extending exhalation, and a really simple way of doing that is just to breathe in for four seconds, breathe out for eight seconds, and keep repeating that. Breathe in for four, breathe out for eight, all right? Breathe in through your nose. Out through your mouth, in through your nose. Out through your mouth. Breathing in through your nose is really important because the the nose is like a filter, air air filtration system that cleans the air, warms the air, and it, it prepares the air for absorption. Um, too many people breathe through their mouth, and that can actually create stress in the body. But so, but just simply doing that, you will actually switch off the stress and bring yourself into a parasympathetic healing state. All right. That will allow you to digest your food better. It will allow you to sleep better. Um, it will even lower your blood pressure. so just by changing the rate of you breathe by extend doubling your exhalation time okay, it's been shown in studies as well. scientists have done this, but you can do this yourself. You just need to get a um an app like a heart rate monitor app um, that measures your heart rate, and you'll see that your um, heart rate lowers and goes uh, lower and lower as you switch on your parasympathetic nervous system. You can even go deeper and get a heart rate variability out. There's one called Sweet Beat HRV, which actually measures the um, – it tells you when your parasympathetic sympathetic nervous system switched on or off. And you'll see it within a minute will switch to parasympathetic. And you'll even feel it. So you don't even need a machine. You'll feel it. You'll feel chill. You'll more calm down. You'll, you'll feel more relaxed. You may even start yawning and feeling like you want to sleep.
0: Yeah, so with that example, like let's say the breathing in for four seconds, breathing out with eight seconds, is that something that someone should train themselves to do all day every day? Or is it something like you could do in concentrated amounts each day? Or like how do you put that into practice?
1: Oh, that's a great question. So as I said, this is just one example of how you can switch the, quickly switch off the stress, right? Mm-hmm. So you would use that, at the right time, because you don't want to use. it If you've got stuff to do, you don't want to be getting super chill, chilled out. So, when you've had a, a heavy, say, say you want to eat food, right? Have a have a, enjoy your food, and you suffer from digestive problems. Okay, one of the reasons for that, quite often, is people don't eat in the right state. So, if you're eating when you're stressed out, if your mind's very active. Uh, If you're eating in a rush, uh, your body hasn't allowed itself to get into a state where the digestive juices are flowing, where it can digest the food properly. So just by doing a a minute of uh, extended exhalation, all right, breathing, it can actually help you digest your food properly. You can also use it after you've eaten food as well to help you digest your food properly, okay? Another thing, if you're... um, uh, you can use it at night, and you use this affirmation with it. I command my subconscious mind to go into a deep sleep and wake up um, refreshed and energized. Just by repeating that mantra, it will command, it will, through a process of self-hypnosis, command your subconscious mind to help you sleep. And you, you'll notice you're just going to deep sleep really quickly. Like, if you weren't able to sleep, um, just try that. If you if you were, like, dependent on medication, you, you can literally say goodbye to the medications. Like, uh, you know, if you're suffering from anxiety, that's another time to use it. And say you've got something that often makes you nervous, like, say, you have to go on stage. Um, you could use it then as well just to calm yourself down um, if your heart rate starts to go into panic mode. Uh, so there, that's, that's something that you should use in the right time and place. right? Okay not necessarily all day long. Okay. There's another another practice that can help you to get into that flow um, state more, which is, again, the same principles of rhythm of breathing. So if you breathe in and out, in for four, out for four, the same rate, you create this state called uh, coherence, where because you're breathing in and out for the same same time, you're stimulating the parasympathetic and sympathetic at the same same rate as well. So this actually brings you into the balance, a state of balance, where you're not into these ecstatic states and you're not into the super chill states. You're into this natural um, kind of balance flow state or the alpha state. And this can help you actually get more stuff done, be more productive, without making kind of erratic mistakes. It's a really powerful um, by like breathing practice, we're getting into flow. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh makes sense?
0: Yeah, that's super interesting. Okay, what about is there anything else? I feel like those are simple ones. Can you give me an example of something more like advanced? Before Niraj shares some more advanced breath work techniques. I want to tell you about something else you need to do to improve your life. So you need some breath work in your life, obviously. But You really need some compression socks because, let me tell you, these things have changed the game for me. I used to think compression socks were only for old people or medical use or people who just hiked all the time, and I also used to think they were really ugly and super expensive and just not my thing. But a few months ago, I started getting very fed up with the fact that my legs were swelling really badly if I was standing for a long time during the day, which I often do, or even when I'm sitting for a long period of time, it was just like my my leg circulation was not happening. Then a friend told me about Comrade socks, and I was like, I'll just look into this. And I was shocked that they were so normal looking, not only normal looking, but like attractive socks. And I started reading more about the science behind these, and I thought, this is the easiest biohack ever. And everyone should get these. So I got some to test them out and fell in love. When is a good time to wear Comrade compression socks? First of all, every day at work, it helps to energize your legs and reduce swelling when you're sitting or standing for long periods of time. It's great to wear compression socks post-workout. They're great for improved muscle recovery. Also, of course, during travel to reduce swelling for more comfortable flights. And if you're pregnant, compression socks are a game changer, I hear, to prevent swelling, discomfort, and any spider veins. I love Comrade socks specifically for a few reasons. First of all, they use lab-tested true graduated compression, which is the kind that's medically proven to help the circulation of blood from your feet back toward your heart. And they're super comfortable because they have a padded toe and a heel cushion and slide-free cuffs that keep the socks up all day. And they have smart silver antimicrobial technology that prevents any odor-causing bacteria. So your socks are going to stay fresher longer. They come in a bunch of colors and styles that have the look of a casual sock. So people won't even know you're wearing compression socks, which I love. So you can get plain white socks, plain black socks, or different patterns. I love the black ones, the white ones, the gray ones, the black and white stripes, and the pink Ombre, those are my favorite ones. As it's getting colder outside as we approach the fall and winter months, well, I guess we're in fall. As we approach winter and we're in fall, you're going to be wearing socks anyway. So you might as well wear socks that give you some actual health benefits. And trust me, you will feel the difference. I have been wearing these every day and I freaking love them. And you could just wear them out and about and they look like normal socks are actually cute and stylish. So. It's really a win win. Check out their Instagram for some fashion inspo. I'm very impressed with their Instagram. And I just, I love the look of like boots with high socks. And I love the look of high socks like with workout clothes. I just think there are so many ways to work a high sock. Plus, just hanging out at home with my sweats or my leggings going to wear them anyways and they make a huge difference because when my legs are swollen, I'm so uncomfortable and I want to be able to go from, you know, sitting for a few hours or standing for a few hours working to taking a walk outside and when I need downtime because my legs are so swollen, it just doesn't work for me. So, if you want to check out Comrade Socks and get your own pair, which you definitely want to, then you can go to comradesocks.com and use my discount code CRW for 20% off your purchase. Again, that's comradesocks.com, C O M R A D S O C K S.com, and use my code CRW for 20% off your purchase. So, get your pair of socks and then sit down and do some breath work and you will just be the picture of health and wellness, I swear. Okay, let's get back into this chat with Niraj, and he's gonna talk some more about breath work.
1: Yeah, I mean these are, these are simple and actually breathing practices are really simple. Mm-hmm. So the other, the other so we, we talked about getting like relaxed, we talked about getting to flow. Mm-hmm. Now there's also energy you can produce as well. Like, you can stimulate your sympathetic nervous system. There's two ways to do this. So, um, again, with the same principles of rate of breath. If you breathe in and really bring in your exhale and and breathe in fully and then just let go, uh, like, just allow gravity to let your exhale come back down to normal, what will happen is you're breathing in for double the rate as you're breathing out. So you're like this. And what you'll feel is you'll actually start feeling like you're getting lightheaded. Just by doing that for like 20, 30 seconds will give you a short burst of adrenaline and it will wake up your sympathetic nervous system and give you a burst of energy. So that can actually help you get into like an alert state of mind. Alright. I don't use that one so much because I also find that it, it can stress people out a bit. Yeah. Um so I prefer the more the four four rhythm for that. Okay. But but there's an element so these are just these are pranayama techniques. So but there's an element of pranayama which most people miss out, which is called kumbaka, which is a breath retention. So usually with these energy moving breathing techniques, you'd use breath holds, breath retention, to get into um, certain and control the energy to where you want it. Now, there's a routine that we, we've created uh, in Soma, which is, um, which is based, it revolves around Kumbhaka, that is actually, I believe, one of the most powerful breathing practices that exists. And this is exactly what I use to heal myself, um, as part of the, the, the process of healing myself all right so here's this is the routine it's really simple so you you the the two four rhythm that i talked about you do um like a minute or two okay or you do like 30 to 50 repetitions of breathing in for two out for four or in for four out for eight okay in for four seconds out for eight we also use music so in in my techniques i've created music that times your breath you just listen to the audio the music times is timed to your breath So you just follow the breath with your breath in and out in time of the music. So you do like a minute or two of the two-four rhythm. It gets you into this really deep uh, meditative state. And then you hold your breath with no air in the lungs on the exhale for as long as you possibly can. And when you do that, what happens is you start to lower your oxygen levels and you you trigger a state known as um, intermittent hypoxia. Now intermittent hypoxia means brief period of low, lower than normal oxygen in your bloodstream okay mm-hmm. Now you may be wondering like why would we lower the oxygen okay now this is the magic of of actually traditional yoga the original yoga was almost like going against nature the forces of nature so if they they understood that if you go the opposite okay of what is not natural that will lead to strength and growth it's the same thing if you get out of your comfort zone in area, any area of your life that's when the growth happens that's when you get better at something if you want to ride a bike uh on two wheels okay you've got to take the stabilizers off right to get good at riding a bike on two wheels so most people they're riding a bike with two wheels uh, with, with stabilizers on okay mm-hmm. and and But by doing yoga the right way, okay, what you do is you would you cause a little bit of a, 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 a stress on the body, a positive stress on the body to create the benefits. So by lowering the oxygen for a short period of time, it makes your body think, your brain think that you're going into a period of low oxygen. So it goes, ah, I need to prepare for low oxygen. So what it does is it actually makes you more efficient at using oxygen, okay? Mm -hmm. So it produces more red blood cells. Your mitochondria gets more efficient. You get better blood flow because carbon dioxide, nitric oxide actually wakes up blood vessels and improves blood flow to your um, various uh, organs in your body, especially to your brain and your heart and your gut. The organs that use up a lot of oxygen. So by doing this what happens is you get better blood flow and you get healthier organs as a result you get better better nutrient supply to the the areas where um uh, where it's needed and what also happens is that you become more efficient using oxygen And this is the secret of pranayama the goal of pranayama is actually to to train yourself to need to breathe less over time by breathing less over time, okay, it's a sign, by, by feeling like you need to breathe less over time, is a sign that you're more efficient in using oxygen, which will mean that you have less risk of oxidative stress in the body. Now, Harvard have done studies on this and confirmed this, that actually over breathing and having too much oxygen in the bloodstream, okay, from over breathing, can lead to oxidative stress it's one of the reasons why we need antioxidants is to prevent the oxidative stress okay now oxidative stress what that causes is free radical damage it causes early cell deaths uh degenerative uh, diseases are caused by cells dying uh more uh, faster rate than they're being replaced and um it can also lead to cancer like mitochondrial dysfunction from um and uh genetic uh, DNA dysfunction because mutations happen from um, free radical damage so literally by holding your breath for a long enough time every day just having the right dose every day okay not overdoing it just getting the right dose it can lead to you actually getting better blood flow to your organs um, more energy better energy uh, supply uh, and actually even preventing chronic diseases from happening because of all those things, even cancer. So this is the most revered technique of all in pranayama, which is called kumbhaka. This is what I really, I re- all of my practices revolve around this, and I teach people how to do this in the right way. And using affirmations and mantras and visualization techniques, you have a very powerful system of healing, which is just revolves around breathing. And it's incredible for changing your state and the energy flow in the body as well.
0: Okay, so I'm curious, like, how... It, okay, so basically you're saying that breathing less over time is more optimal. Um, but isn't holding your breath all the time also not good for you? <laughs> like, can't that also yeah. keep people in the, in the sympathetic state?
1: No, as I said, it's the right dose. Okay. And you're only doing it for a short period of time, like we're talking like a minute, two minutes, you know, actually what you'll find is the better you get at it, the longer you can hold your breath. Like yogis can hold their breath for minutes and minutes. Okay. Um, at a time, I can hold my breath up to like four minutes. You can? Um, bit, yeah, yeah, with a little bit of pr- And that's with no air in the lungs. So you have to breathe all the air out first. Okay. But, we're oh just we're just talking about minutes. We're not talking about, Chronic, we're not talking about chronic hypoxia, which is a completely different thing. We're talking about intermittent hypoxia. And actually, this phenomenon has been studied by um, uh, scientists in Russia. So actually, what happened, there was a phenomenon that happened in the 1980s um, uh, uh, Mexican Olympics, which was held at high altitude, where the oxygen levels are very low. People were breaking world records, right? Left, right, and center. And they were like wondering, why is this? And the, the, the theory came down to the fact that it was that the Olympics happened at high altitude. So, because people were breathing at lower oxygen levels, uh, they were becoming more and more efficient using oxygen. So, they had more stamina, more energy. They were literally they were getting fitter. Um, and that's why they were breaking world records. And it was the only time it's ever been held at such high altitudes in Mexico. So, wow. the Russian scientists who are really competitive they were like right we need to figure out you know how to make our our athletes the best so they created um and they also observed people who went up to high altitudes uh, and came back down were also reporting not just getting fitter and feeling healthier and happier and things but their disease symptoms also reversing so they're like right and they they devised these machines called hypoxicators and they created intermittent hypoxic uh training as a Therapy and it's got amazing health benefits, but it's very expensive. You need big machines to do it, and you have to go to clinics and all that to make it work. But the yogis knew thousands of years ago that just by holding your breath in the right way for you know a few minutes a day, and we're not talking about doing it for hours at a time, it would lead to incredible, miraculous health benefits as well. And actually, they also knew that oxygen. And Our normal oxygen that we have at atmospheric, uh, uh, sorry, sea level, um, uh, is actually not that good for the human body, okay? And it causes aging. That's what leads to aging, because of what I was talking about. So they would, the yogis would go and live at high altitudes. You see yogis go and live at the top of mountains, like in the Himalayas and stuff, where the oxygen levels are very, very low. So there's a reason for all of these things and you know it's because oxygen isn't we're necessarily our friend it's essential but we have to treat it with respect we have to treat it like fire what you need to do is you need to look look at the mitochondria which is the energy center of the cell it's what there's there's over a thousand different mito, like mitochondrial cells in your um each cell of your body produces energy and The mitochondria burns oxygen, just like a fire burns oxygen, air, to produce fire. You're going to treat oxygen just like that. It's like the same respect as fire. Too much oxygen leads to too much fire and can lead to oxidative stress in the cell. Too little fire and the the energy, there's not enough energy and you become like weak and lazy and things like that. So you want the right balance of oxygen. So pranayama is actually a science, and so is Ayurveda, and so is yoga. All of it to train you to becoming super efficient using oxygen. So you you need to breathe less. You become more efficient you're using it. You have more energy, and you're more um, fitter and healthier and happier as a result, and stronger even.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, I also saw you talking a little bit about like stem cells and, and breathing, like a connection there.
1: Yeah. So here's another thing so stem cells, which are the cells in the body that they're um, they're they're basically like super smart cells that have the ability to turn and transform into any other cell in the body there's different types of stem cells, but the ones that we really, that really matter in this in in this topic are the ones uh that they come from the bone marrow okay they're, and they come from areas in the body where there's very low oxygen, which are known as niches in the body. Um, and the reason they go into these areas is because they hate oxygen. Okay? And actually, stem cells are found in a big number when you're in the womb. All right. And so you're actually a bundle of stem cells, rapidly transforming. However, as soon as you're born and you're getting all that oxygen, the stem cells disappear and hide in these areas of low oxygen. And they rarely come out. The only time they come out okay, is under stressful conditions, injuries, um, and low oxygen environments and extreme temperature changes. These are the times that stem cells get activated. And there's these certain types of stem cells called very small embryonic stem cells that are these magical, godlike, omnipotent uh, cells that can transform into any other cell in the body. They have this intelligence where they can actually go to areas of inflammation and, rever- and lower inflammation, re- cause regeneration um, and renewing of cells. Uh, so disease cells can actually be replaced and, and organs can become healed as a result if you know how to activate stem cells. Now, this is the thing, and I'm actually talking to one of the top um, stem cell Experts in the world about this to confirm it, but it seems pretty much this is the mechanism of what helps me heal, which uh, also uh, explains why so many people in our community are are healing from different uh, diseases and getting even their eyesight back. In like we have loads of anecdotal um, reports of people's eyesight suddenly getting better. The only way I can explain it is through the activation of stem cells, and it is known fact that these very important... uh, Sorry, I call them very important, but they're very uh, small embryonic stem cells um, are activated under low oxygen environments. So when you hold your breath for a long enough period of time, okay, and you bring the oxygen levels down enough in the bloodstream, because that's where these stem cells are found, in the bloodstream. This is called a systemic hypoxia. It will trigger them to wake up and awaken and then they have this natural innate intelligence which allows them to move to the areas that they need to for rejuvenation and healing
0: that's so amazing that's so interesting yeah when did did you first like start finding out about that
1: so what happened was um so i so i made a pact that was i need to figure out what how why why did i heal myself like what happened and I think the diet, nutrition, gives us some of the building blocks to rebuild the body, mm-hmm. right? But that doesn't explain, like, regeneration of diseased cells, um, yeah. that well, okay, it does it to a point, but not fully. I think that that's the fuel for it. Also, uh, pranayama, I think, yes, it calms the nervous system down, but it also doesn't fully explain the mechanism and the mechanism is what i'm really in, in interested in so what happened was then for a long time i just had no idea until i read a paper by a now dear friend who's involved with our with our school called dr prakash marsh who wrote a paper on um this these breathing practices how they can how certain pranayama techniques can activate uh, stem cells um, and when I read that and I, I realised the, the technique he was talking about is exactly why I just shared this breath retention Kumbhaka that's when the light bulb went off and I was like right I have to meet this guy so I went to study with him and he's a yogi and he uses yoga and pranayama to heal patients in, in his clinic um, he also has a you know, medical practice in Rishikesh in India and um, so I spent some time with him studying and and reading the the research that he's brought to the surface. And then this opened up a whole can of worms and I, and I saw the Russian research and all this stuff. We're talking a couple of years ago, this happened and I, it just blew my mind. So that's when it started, all the practices of yoga started to make sense. And I actually realized actually that yoga in primarily in the West, um, Actually, even in India, it's like this as well, Um, is completely taught wrong, right? And actually yoga, each pose you should actually do to exhaustion. So you should hold each pose to the point where you can't hold that pose any longer, all right? And you should control your breath into each pose. The point of that is that you shut off the oxygen supply to the muscles, all right, and the cartilage and the tissues. Mm. What that does is it it brings the oxygen levels down. It creates a stress for a brief period in that area, which activates the stem cells in that area, and that's what triggers strength and growth in the tissues, all right? It's called anaerobic exercise. The problem with exercise um, that we, um, yoga that we see and a lot of exercise that we see in the West is that it's aerobic an aerobic exercise. So we're talking about long cardio workouts. Um, you know, yoga is, is become like a long cardio workout mm-hmm. where you do these vinyasa flows where you just go from one, one pose to the next actually don't do much. It's like basically riding a bike with stabilizers Yeah. So to take stabilizers off. You need to hold each pose as long as you possibly can and control your breath and that's how you're meant to do yoga and then that, then you watch how quickly you improve at doing yoga and how easily and how bendable you become and how, how easier, much easier you can hold um, each pose you can even do headstands and all this stuff much faster than if you do it the, 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 the conventional mainstream way and um, so I started to do it you know, like that way this is, this is what Prakash Maharaj um, taught me I started to do it that way, and suddenly I was doing headstands. I was doing yoga poses I'd never done before. I started to enjoy yoga. I could actually bend forward and, you know, and do a proper forward bend for the first time because I was a, I was really scared of doing yoga before. So I just didn't think I was bend uh, stretchy or bendy, mm. but that that all changed when I started doing it this way, which is a traditional way of doing yoga. That's so
0: fascinating.
1: And, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so with the breath work, I'm curious, like, so have you seen people heal themselves just through the breath work?
1: I've seen, so, so basically it's hard to say if it's just the breath, I think the breath as I said, it's all, it's all, it's all different uh, pieces of the puzzle, right? Mm -hmm. So the breath work is a major component. Okay. And it's actually the first thing, it's the easiest thing for us to work on. Now, if you go into my uh, Soma Breath group uh, on Facebook, you'll see so many anecdotal stories of people um, healing themselves from chronic health issues and even regaining eyesight. Mm. And they're they're people just doing the breathing practices. There's many people in there who just do the breathing practices. And actually, if you look at uh, Pranayama, um, Pranayama, And you look at, like, so the people who are teaching it properly in India, there's a few of them. um, And you look at their testimonials and and stories, you'll see that there's a lot of evidence to suggest that just literally, just by doing breathing practices, um, you can have dramatic influences on your, in your health. But I don't believe that that's the only thing. I think you need to follow the right. I mean, I don't believe that if you're drinking heavily and smoking heavily and eating junk food that just by doing breathing practices is going to do much for you. I think, I think I believe in a holistic approach.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Well, thank you for sharing all of this. I know that the audience is going to find this really interesting. I, like I said, I've never talked about breath work before on the show. um, So I think this could be really helpful for people to incorporate into their, into their lives. Um, And I know that a lot of people are going to want to know how to learn more. So what would you recommend how can they get connected with you and soma
1: so the best place is to go to um, our website somabreath.com and just sign up for the free webinar and that webinar basically talks you through the science and everything that I talked about and gives you an actual experience of the breathing practice so you can see how simple it is and experience it and and then after that you can decide whether you want to you can even we even have an instructor training so you can become a, a breathwork instructor but you can just simply do one of our courses or programs or just go go away with what you learned in the webinar and start getting results just from that we have a lot of people actually who just do that and get a lot of benefits um just by doing our little daily practices that we recommend and then, obviously, we have the Soma Breath Group, which is um, the next logical step. It's to join there, interact with our community. My whole vision is to, and it's really worked out in an amazing way, is to build communities around breathing practices. I believe that that's what bonded people back in the day. In fact, the word spiritual means to breathe, believe it or not, in Latin. That's what it means. Espiritu means breath. That's where it comes from. And um, when you breathe together, magic happens. Actually... To breathe together, all right. The word that word actually means to conspire, okay. Mm. And actually, before uh, the 13th century, uh, conspiracy wasn't a bad thing. Um, it was actually a good thing. So when people got together and they breathed together, and it, it would create um, a harmony. And a lot of the religious practices back in the day revolved around breath. They've just been forgotten. And um, so. My whole great world grand conspiracy is to get people to breathe together, mm-hmm. and to conspire together to um, to build community again, to get to regain a sense of belonging, uh, which is really missing in the world. Because I really believe community is the cure, and having a good support group, having people that is like minded, that you trust and feel a sense of belonging with, is really the cure. That's what really helped me the most. I would say is. Finding that community, you know, because I was so alienated from people that I connected with um, As a pharmacist that when I started to get into meditation into yoga, it was a community of like-minded people That, that gave me that 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 um that final shift into wellness, you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah Well, that all sounds amazing. And then what if people want to connect with you personally like on Instagram?
1: oh yeah instagram is uh, the underscore renegade underscore pharmacist um and there's also soma breath on instagram mm-hmm. and uh yeah there you can um you can follow me as well
0: awesome well thank you again Yaraj. i had so much fun chatting with <laughs> you and i can't wait for everyone to hear it
1: yeah fantastic Show.
0: Thank you so much to Niraj for coming on the podcast and sharing so much about his story and breathwork. I'm sure you found that so interesting. You're probably definitely going to want to try it out. You can find more from him at the Renegade Pharmacist on Instagram and make sure you head to SomaBreath.com to learn about different breathwork meditation techniques you will love this they have a free webinar on their site that I definitely recommend starting out with if you enjoyed the show don't forget to share it with someone who you think would also benefit from it and enjoy it and if you share it on social media make sure you tag me tag Niraj, and tag wellness wellness podcast so I can say thank you If you're not already in our Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe, just go ahead and search that on Facebook, and I would love to have you join the group. You can connect with other listeners right there. And if you haven't already left a rating and review on iTunes, and you want to share your support for the show, I would so appreciate it. If you did so, it really means a lot to me and helps me spread the word about my content. That's going to be it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. I'll chat with you again next time. Bye.